Jerry Chan is a former Wall Street technologist, now an executive and entrepreneur in blockchain businesses. Today, he's developing a Web3 coding game. He's interested in what AI means for that and for the rest of us. I wanted to ask him about an article he's written that says media fears about AI should be tempered with, quote, a healthy dose of common sense. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. So, Jerry, I wanted to ask you about AI because you've written an article which is basically saying, don't worry, it's all going to be okay. On what basis are you so relaxed about AI? Um, well, mostly my my own sort of like uh, non-expert opinion, but I, I, I have played around with it a bit. And I do have friends in machine learning uh, field. And generally, I think a lot of the, the advances we see uh, recently in AI, mostly in ChatGPT and uh, what the things that OpenAI are doing, are mostly advances in specialized AI or ASI, I guess. As opposed to general Correct. intelligence. Yeah. Correct, yeah. So, so while a specialized uh, in AI or a specialized AI or AI which is good at doing one specific thing has made leaps and bounds, I, I, I think what most people, the hype I, I think that most people are afraid of is that somehow it's just going to make this, this great leap and now it's just going to be general intelligence, which, which I'm not, I don't think I've seen enough evidence to, to really convince myself that that is possible yet. Right. So have you tried ChatGBT? Yeah, and, I have. And, and are you impressed with what comes out of it and what you can ask it? I, I am impressed, but uh, um, nothing that happens, nothing that I've I've gotten out of it convinces me that it could ever, you know, become sentient or what I would call alive. It, it has it, the ability to produce wonderful results. Uh, it, it effectively is like Google search on on you know on steroids. So it's able to parse uh, language, right? It, it's able to parse meaning and semantics uh, of language and therefore produce answers for, to questions. But it, it doesn't know what it's saying is true or false. Right. I mean, I think part of this debate is around the idea of emergent properties. Right. And um, in your article, you talk about emergent properties in the the, the human mind, the, the mind is an emergent element of a person or entity that has its own agency. And you contrast that with AI, which you said couldn't have that. Right. But I mean, <laughs> on a completely non-technical level, yeah. what is incredible when you work with, try out uh, ChatGPT, is you can ask it, for instance, a question like, here are five things, which is the odd one out? And you're not telling it what dimension to look at. Right. And I don't believe that it can have absorbed off uh, however many Google answers it's got, th this particular question. And yet, you know, I've asked it very obscure questions like that, and it comes up with things which are intelligent answers right. that really you can't help thinking it knows about this subject because there are things in both the question and the answer that are required that are not displayed in the answer, but it must know. And that, to me, seems like an emergent property. Hmm. Um, I acknowledge, I, I know what you're saying. And, and so I guess whether or not that property is emergent may be subject to 
debate, and maybe I could agree that it is, in a sense, emergent. But I, I suppose where I draw the line is that I don't see that it could become, it could never have a sense of self or sentience. So, because um, what you've described, and you know, I know the questions you're, you're of the type you're at, you're talking about, is really just um, the ability for the for the model, the the, uh, the LLM model, to 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 do inference, right? But it, displaying the ability to conduct to do inference, logical inference, doesn't necessarily mean you're sentient. It just means that you have a very very large model of all the semantics. For instance, like if you tell it, like here are these things, pick the different one. Um, what what these models are trained to do is to categorize the information you give it in as many dimensions as possible. So if you gave it pictures, it would say like you know categorize it by shape, categorize it by color, number of strokes of the line, categorize it by um, semantic meaning, run it through all the languages, possible languages, letters it can might. So it probably knows more than a human does. Actually, not probably. It absolutely knows more interpretations of the images or symbols that you showed it than any human being would. And therefore, it's able to pick the most likely um, group of these meaning layers on top of these symbols you've given it and say, it's very likely you could be referring to shapes. It's very likely you could be referring to that these are all things that you eat. Right? Yes. And, and that's still a that's all things that computers So all that is going on in the background. Right. And we don't need to invoke any kind of magic because that's right. it's just a it is all there. It's just got the ability to process it at an unbelievably fast rate, I right. guess. It, it's like... It's not structured the same way our brain is, I think. It would be like equivalent of saying somebody's brain has massive breadth, but very shallow depth, right? right. It's, yes. They can know much more about many more topics than any one human brain has and, and able to sort of overlay this, overlay layers of meaning and see which layer of meaning makes the most sense mm. to figure out what you're trying to ask it. But at the end of the day, the thing that makes, I think, humans humans is we 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 have our own internal volition. Like, we don't have a program we're going by. Well, you see, I think this is interesting because, you know, you're saying, you said it, it's not sentient. Well, I'm, I'm not claiming that it's sentient. Right, okay. But people on that side don't have to be claiming that. It's really just, it's incredible what it does. Right. And I think what's interesting about this debate is that it does make us think about what it is that's special about yes. the human mind. Yes. And in a way perhaps it makes us a little more humble because the human mind is just a bunch of neurons put together. Uh, it's informed by what it learns from the world around us. And we're left almost thinking, well, this is perhaps a little disappointing because when we get to the bottom of it, is it really, in principle, the same kind of process that uh, ChatGPT yes. is doing? And, and what, 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 can we, what can we reserve as being specially human? That is exactly the point. And, and that is, ex I think that is exactly what people who are more learned in this field than, than myself or, any, or you um, should be talking about. And, and the, the book I would recommend uh, has a lot of insight from the biological aspect of what makes us who we are is Richard Dawkins' uh, Extended Phenotype. In that book, he talks about what is um, like the expression of our genes. Like we, we are just a sum total of the genes which are expressing their innate des desire, if you can call it that, to replicate, right? And, and we are not just our brain. We, we, are, we, we are kind of like all our cells kind of work together, right? Every, every cell in your body came from one cell originally, and somehow they knew to, 
somehow magically to become a brain cell, to become a nerve cell, to yes. become a muscle cell. And, and this magic, however it happens, which I, I mean, it's not magic, but biologists can probably explain it. I can't. It's evolutionary biology, right? The, the, the encoding in our genes made it such that when these cells can communicate to each other, they act as a team. They, they work together. But once they get separated, they lose the sense of self. And what happens? That's cancer, right? It's cells replicating that are no longer treated as part of you. Therefore, your body immune system now attack it. Hmm. Um, that's all it is. It's like cells losing the, the notion of self. So that kind of implies that we as humans have innately, down to our cellular structure, a notion of self, even cellular self, right? Which, which aggregates it like a human you know, being self. And AIs are nothing like that. Now, if somebody goes... Um, and does something like, let's design an AI, not from top down, but from bottom up. Make, make, a, make a biological cell, uh, make a digital cell, right? And there, there is people in the field of genetic algorithms who, are, who have looked at this in the past decades. But um, if you can evolve an AI from a digital representation of a cell, therefore with its only primary purpose is to replicate, and if somehow evolves to something that we can have a hold of communication with, like conversation with, then I'd be afraid. Because then I would say that is sentient, even but though it's digital. I think there is talk in AI of an AI being able to design a better AI mm. than a, any human programmers could. And that this is part of the uh, area where people are worried. In fact, people who know about the stuff probably are more worried than people who don't know about it because it may have this self-replicating and self-improving uh, quality to it that there is the possibility perhaps that it would kind of get out of control. Yeah, I suppose I will admit that that is something that is possible and I, I don't know too much. I can't really speak too much for or against it. But I mean, I think a lot of people are just saying it could happen, so therefore we should be afraid as if it would. But the one... I think if you were to ask me right now, like, what are the probabilities of that happening? Like, what you're describing is the jump. Like, once we get some sort of top-down language model AI to be smart enough, then it would just say, hey, I want to make other AIs. Yes. Right? I think my, my, the reason is, I would say that's only like a 5% chance. Right. And then the reason is because it's the fundamental assumption I think is flawed. No matter what language model we create, no matter how smart, I don't see a language model wanting to replicate, wanting to create another one of, of itself. Why would it? Because it's been set a task to achieve something and that its way of achieving it would be to improve itself, perhaps. Okay, so, so are you saying that I would give chat, no, let's not chat GPT-5 or 6, let's say chat GPT-10. And I asked, hey, chat GPT-10, can you please replicate yourself for the good of humanity, something like that. Yes, or can you? what can you do to solve the problem of climate change or something? I see, and then it thinks like, oh, it'll be... Well, that, be first of all, we need to do this, and then that will achieve that, and then, you know, I, I mean, it's, 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 it is a, you know, it's, it's hard to avoid the idea that this is a sort of right. sci-fi problem. Right. Um, and there was, a, there was a good letter in the uh, New York Times yesterday saying, you can always pull the plug out <laughs> at the back of the machine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. on the other hand... There are these um, sort of really worried petitions and political uh, movements by a lot of the top people in this field saying this really is something that needs to be worried about. Uh, I mean, one of the answers to that is 
this is this a sort of pattern in tech where the people who are ahead call for regulation and that in a way that's a way of protecting their own position because they're not going to be regulated out of existence and the the the, the newcomers mm. will be held back so there's other sides to that question as well i guess the fact that we should be at least talking about it and worried about it is a good thing. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't be talking about it, worry about it, or even put regulations. I think that is also a good thing. Regulations would be good because if something out, comes out of regulation that says, um, let's put some checks and balances for whatever AI you create, whatever language model, let's not plug it up into the nuclear launch code system. Okay, let's, let's agree not to do that. <laughs> right. That would be a good regulation. I agree. I agree. Um, because that would be the only way such an AI could do something harm, yeah, right? It, it doesn't have it, well, it, you know, or if you plug it into a whole bunch of drones or robots Right, or you plug it into drones or robots or something in a physical world, well then, yes, th- then of course I also agree an AI could do harm to humans because you plugged it into something physical. But, but then maybe <laughs> in that case, there may be quite an urgent need in the same, same way that there are nuclear proliferation treaties yes. for getting international agreements that there is a line there that you cannot cross or that we've all agreed not to cross. Yes. I, I think, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's the way forward. This is to limit the AIs to the interface. What is the interface of the AI? I do not believe ChatGPT could ever do anything harm as long as its interface is through web API and through web browsers. I, I don't think that you can give it instructions, even ChatGPT hypothetically 10 version or something, you know, version 10. You couldn't give it instructions that would make it like, I'm going to get out of my box. I mean, that's the silly thing I hear people say. It's not, it's not programmed to get out of its box. It doesn't even know it's in a box. I mean, right. it doesn't even know. It doesn't know anything. It, it, it has a huge database of information. And even if it researched the fact that, oh, I must be an AI, I'm like, see, I'm hyper, I always anthropomorphize these things. These things don't even think to themselves the way I'm thinking to myself, right? But, I, I'm, but, I'm, but it's interesting that the behavior of the system yeah. almost means that you have to, you naturally yes. think of it in those terms, and which is a sort of, it is an indication of how like a, a human being it is in some sense. But I think that's our projection. Yes, okay. I, I think because we are trying to put ourselves in the position of the AI, that's why we think it must be intelligent like well, us. Well, it's interesting that, you know, if you think back, people always used to sort of uh, anthropomorphize a ship, for instance, right. you know, she's yes. a wonderful vessel or whatever. and. So that's very far from being a, a human being. But I think we have a tendency to sort of to yes. do that. It's kind of an inbuilt thing. We're, yes. we're designed to recognize other beings. And that comes into play in this, in this situation, probably. Exactly. So I think if people, rational people are going to think about whether or not a language model like ChatGPT can ever get out of its box, first recognize that you cannot think, put yourself in its position and think how you would want to get out or even if you would because it doesn't have that thought. It's only responding to what you give it. Mm. And if it responds, okay, so I thought about this and I thought, well, what if you gave it a set of instructions which would involve getting out of its box? But so the thing is, I don't, ChatGPT doesn't reason. It it basically, it it takes the, the prompts you give it, it maps semantic models over it, it, it has a probability somehow, like, you know, it has a pro- model of probability of what you must mean and what is the answer that you want to look for. And it's programmed to give that immediately. So now I assume if there was some version of ChatGPT, which, you know, could go away and work on the problem for a year, 
right? You know, don't, don't give me an answer immediately, but I'm going to ask you something and I want you to come back in a year's time and give me a very, you know, a much better answer. Okay, then in that sense, if that chat GPT is going to be running for a year, then I guess in a sense it's thinking, right? It's, it's re, revising its models and stuff. That is one step closer to maybe having these internal thoughts that we're, we're, we're thinking that it has now, which it doesn't. And then if that machine was also plugged into physical robots and arms and stuff, that it knew, it knew how to use and was programmed to use them if needed for whatever reason, then yes, then that thing would be able to cause harm to us in whatever maximal means it could through the robots or whatever drones is connected to. But then I, I reduce the whole problem that then this thing has just become like a robot, right? It'd be interesting to find out whether you can ask an AI to not give you the answer yet, but think more about it (laughs) and achieve a better answer by spending more time on it. Because I suspect the answer may be, all I can do is what I can do now. And (laughs) give me more time, I'll just come back with the same answer. I don't know. Yeah, It's not not like it's constrained in the quality of its answer by the amount of time that it is taking to give it, perhaps. I don't know. It isn't. Well, the current versions are not. The current versions are trained. And once it's trained, it has a set, like its knowledge is fixed. I mean, I think, you know, it may be that what we need to worry about perhaps as well is not the actual... AI as, as a being or whatever, but, but some of the things that may be possible. And I'm thinking of a very interesting experiment that I read about where they uh, played a story to a bunch of subjects and then they recorded what was going on in the neurons in their head. And the AI um, analyzed the neuronal movements or activity and matched them up with the words to such an extent that when the person was asked to just think of a story, this this, uh, analysis produced words that were effectively the words being thought by the person with no speech involved. Now that, to me, is is magic. And it may be that there will be all sorts of difficult ethical questions that arise from those kind of uh, things that can be done that couldn't have been done before. That is a whole sort of second order of worry about what AI can can do. But even in that capacity, these AIs are still tools, right? I, I think the ultimate AI that I can totally see being completely plausible and, and um, practical is if you've seen the movie Moon, where where uh, where Kevin Spacey plays an AI robot, the only companion of this one lone clone on the moon, that AI was acted like a human. It had a it had a personality. Um, it 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 could it had robot arms. It could control. Um, it could have gone you know mad like a HAL nine nine thousand. Um, but ultimately, even a HAL or even I, I don't remember what the robot was called in the, the movie Moon. But um, those AIs are still tools. They go by their programming. But like every tool, like every hammer or every knife or sword or, you know, you can be used as a weapon as well. But at the end of the day, if it's used as a weapon, it's not because the tool decided to kill us. It's because other humans using that tool decided to kill other humans. So that's why I don't worry about AIs taking over the world. I would worry about 
the AIs that are capable of doing that being controlled by a couple of people in the world. Yes. Right? It's not the AI. Those people could be dangerous in many different exactly, ways. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so that's yeah. why it's more the people behind the tools that yeah, are, yeah. we have to worry about. But it's such an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, you've got a long history in, in the technology business or businesses. Um, we've had, here's the internet. Um, here's Bitcoin. Do you feel that same same sense of kind of curiosity and excitement over AI that you did about those previous oh, kind of oh, revolutions? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that, I'm, that that's actually one of the the, the driving passions behind my, my Frobots project. Well, well, do just give us a quick introduction to Frobots in a couple of sentences, if you could, Jerry. Sure. sure. Uh, Frobots is like an, an STEM education. It's like a learning platform. It's an e-learning game platform where players create, program a Frobot. Uh, it's kind of a, a reminiscent of Tron, the original Disney version, uh, where, where you know, there are programs fighting on the game grid. So effectively, you write your, your programs, your, your Frobot's brain code, and then you pit them against other people's uh, Frobots, and you watch them fight in an arena. So the idea of the game is, uh, of the platform, is to make, to teach programming, for one. So you have to, you know, basics of programming, finite state machine programming, and also to make it a fun and competitive environment. So, you know, it, it gets some motivation for kids in school to, to want to learn computer science because AI is going to more and more write the boiler, most of the code for us. But that doesn't mean that computer or software developers are going to be out of a job. It acts of the opposite because the code that AI is right. And I've, I've used chat GPT to write AI uh, code. It's generally like 80% mm-hmm. there. And that's very useful to get well, as you started. As it is with the pros answers as well, yeah. pretty much, I guess. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, it, it's about 80%. So it's like, you wouldn't trust it to like, you know, you're not going to use ChatGPT for legal advice or, you know, it's, it's just like you, you shouldn't use the code that it spits out, you know, into your program and mm. just like don't even check it because it, it probably won't work perfectly anyway. But, um, but if you're, you're going to need like good software, actual software architects, human software architects and brains to, to sort of, check that the design is actually sound. Right, so the, the sort of pitch of robots is don't think that AI is going to have to, yes. it's going to understand all this stuff because we need people to understand it as well, basically. That, that and uh, so, so in order to grow the, uh, the people who are able to, to program and think and uh, analytically like that, the other pitch is um, I, f- I feel that the game of robots would be an interesting um, playing field for humans to battle AIs. Oh, really? So how would that work? Well, humans could write programs to fight, and AIs could write programs to fight. And I'm not exactly clear whether it's certain that AI would win. Mm -hmm. Because uh, compared to chess or Go, which we know AI wins now, right? AI will not, a human won't be an AI at chess anymore, or or even Ego, which I thought would last a lot longer than it did. But even Go, the the great game of Go, has been defeated by AI. I'm not so sure about robots, because. Because the game is not well defined; it's an open-ended game. Right. And, well, and that's what they thought about Go, of course. But but Go, no, it's not actually that open-ended. Well, it it's, okay, but rules. it's much more complicated. There were many more options. I There's think. many more options. There's many yeah. more paths a, a yeah. game could go, but the rules were very small. It's a yes. small rule okay, set. Right. Yeah. With robots, there's no rule set. Go on the battle arena. You know, like, do you move faster? Do you scan more? Do you shoot hmm. more? Do you hide? I don't know. Up to you. Like, strategize. Right, I, it it is on the surface more like Go, and I guess Go of all board games, Go is the closest. Like you know, there's no you know, go anywhere you want. There's so many options you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference between I think robots is how to win depends on your opponent, and 
even in Go, you can always see the opponent went there, the opponent went here. He must be trying to do this. He must be trying to do that. There's only so many possibilities. But but in the game of robots, the the number of dimensions of variables is as much as you know walking in real world. The streets so it's of like London. life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's almost like it's it, it would be equivalent. If, if we were to drag in like physical robots for a second, like Boston Dynamic robots, it would be equivalent to saying like, let's have um, a, a Olympics with humans versus robots. But here's the catch. The robots aren't allowed to be trained. To, uh, the robots won't necessarily know the rules of the events until the day of. <laughs> right. Right. That would be the equivalent, right? And, yeah. and, and then you can let it, it would have to learn very quickly. I guess it would fail or crash and blah, blah, blah. And then if it could figure itself out, faster than the human, then it would win. So that's kind of like what I'm, I'm wondering. Like, are humans better at seeing what the AI's trained to do? Like, I, even if mm. the AI learned over all the past games of robots, and it, it has this best strategy, right. you just have to watch it once. You say, I think I know what it's doing. All right, I think I know how I could beat that strategy. And then you change your code. And then now, can the AI do that? Like, see what you've done and immediately change? It, it sounds like a great game because it sounds like it's, inviting you to be sort of as human as you possibly can right. as, as a strategy to beat a machine. Yeah, so right. so that, that, that'll, that's a very good thing to be, to be hearing. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Uh, you just gave me a great thought. I mean, what, what if the Game of Robots becomes the new Turing test? <laughs> right. <laughs> because, because we know ChatGPT has already beat the Turing test, <laughs> as Turing defined it. Jerry, we've got to stop, but thank you so much. It's been really interesting, and <laughs> I look much. forward to my first Game of Robots when <laughs> All it's right, available. Thank, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it was great. It was great having this chat. Thank you. Thanks for Thank that. you. Thanks very much to Jerry Chan and good luck with helping human beings to understand technology. Next week, I'll be hearing about what makes a business look good to the German blockchain venture capitalists Token Tuss from their investment manager, Mona Teisler. So please join Mona and me next week for the next CoinGeek conversation. Thanks for listening and goodbye.